Okay, 2 Kings tonight. We're cruising through uh, the Bible. We're making our way to 2 Kings, uh, through 2 Kings tonight. Made our way through 1 Kings last week, and I have, um, I have a help tonight I'll be reading from uh, for highlights on some of the Kings when we get to those. But uh, just a really quick to, to lead into 2 Kings tonight. Um, let me go ahead to get to our screen here for, if it will. Ask it real nicely, will you, please? Why well, it's not doing that, I do not know. It was working earlier. Oh, you know how these, uh, I'm not very tech savvy. and uh, I've got it hooked up, but whether it'll work or not, there it goes. All right. So anyway, we are in 2 Kings. There are 25 chapters in this book. And each each week, last week, I forgot to put it up there, but I gave it to you at the end of the study. Um the, each week there is a, either a word or a whole phrase that kind of sums up the book. And this week uh, the, on Second Kings is simply the word corruption. Because last week as we looked at in First Kings, it begins with the death of David, King David in chapter 1. Uh, and then Solomon um, is, is on the throne after a little turbulence from uh, one of other David's other sons. And uh, there was going to be a rebellion there. And then um, Solomon ends up uh, reigning as king. Um, the last king over the undivided kingdom. Um, there was Saul, and then David, and then David's son Solomon. He was the last one to rule over the undivided kingdom, and he ruled for 40 years, and there was perfect peace while he ruled. Uh, all the things with Solomon, there are a lot of things bad about him. Uh, he did not end well, but during his life, during his reign, there were no wars of any kind. That couldn't be said of Saul and it couldn't be said of David, uh, which they weren't necessarily wars of, of their making, but nevertheless, there were wars that they had to battle. Uh, but Solomon reigned um, d- during uh, his reign of perfect peace. And so you get to the end of his reign and the kingdom divides. We looked at last week and we talked about the divided kingdom and we looked at the um, look at looked at some of the the kings uh, from both uh, Israel, the northern ten tribes, and Judah, the southern two tribes. Judah is Benjamin and Judah. That's the southern kingdom. That's easy to remember. If you can get Judah, you got half of it. Uh, Judah and Benjamin. And then the other ten tribes are the north northern kingdom, which is called Israel at that point. Um, they were all Israel, but when they divide, there's Israel and Judah. So it's a little confusing, but when you get into 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, it helps you understand um, uh, once the kingdom divides that Israel itself is the, the northern kingdom. So at any rate, we looked at last week, we talked about uh, a few of the kings from both the southern, uh, northern and southern kingdoms. And we looked at the prophet Elijah a little bit last week and talked about him. And actually, we picked back up on his life uh, in chapter uh, 1 and 2 of First Kings, or Second Kings. So the kingdom is divided as it was in First Kings. It, it's, of course, continues and it's divided until Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom. It will continue. It will be divided for the rest of the time of the Old Testament. And then there's the ministry also of Elijah, and we're introduced to Elisha in, in uh, chapter 1 tonight. Well, we actually saw his name in 1 Kings, but we'll see more about him tonight. So putting up the dates, um, creation, 3975 B.C., uh, we talked about that. It was almost 4000 B.C. creation date. And then 1 Kings went from about 960 um, until 834. 1 Kings begins with David's reign. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, begins with David's death and with Solomon's reign until about 834. 
And then 2 Kings goes 834 to, there's an asterisk there next to 586 B.C. And we'll see before we finish tonight why that, that date is, um, is, is you, can, you can look at it uh, two different ways. And we'll see that tonight. Uh, it's because when the kingdom, when both kingdoms go into captivity, Israel, the northern kingdom, goes into captivity earlier than the southern kingdom. But we'll get to that later. So again, 10 tribes, northern tribes of Israel, two southern tribes. Uh, all of the kings of Israel, the northern, they're all bad. Every one of them, they're all rotten apples. Uh, the southern tribes, there are seven or eight, depending on how you want to count them. Uh, I count eight, but seven or eight that are, that are considered good kings. Um, they're not perfect kings, and there, there are some that are better than others, but there, there are seven or eight that are good kings. Um, so what we'll do is we'll pick up with where we left off last week with um, the last king of Israel or, or the king of Israel at the end of the book of First um, uh, Kings. And his reign goes from chapter 22, verse 40, into chapter 1 of Second Kings, verse 18. And that's King Azariah. Now, to keep from kind of boring you, I won't go... Um, I put their... Um, I put the time period up, or, or excuse me, the verses up there, and I think on some of them later on I have the dates, the years. You probably don't want to write that down. It gets too confusing if you take notes. But what I would like to do is give you a brief uh, cap, uh, recap of these kings uh, and, and a little bit about them as we go through them. So the eighth king of the northern kingdom of Israel uh, was a man named uh, Azariah, and he only reigned two years. Um, he was the oldest son of Ahab and Jezebel. Remember, we talked about them. Uh, he was Ahab was the um, was the king before him. He was a very wicked king, married to Jezebel. But he was their oldest son. Um, he actually uh, suffered a severe fall, which later became uh, his down uh, uh, the down side of his uh, of his living, and he ended up he ended up uh, dying as a result of that. It proved fatal, but he was because he was only king for two years, and he turned to a pagan god rather than the true and living God, and so he only reigned for two years. Then there was after him the ninth king of Israel was a man named Jehoram, J-E-H-O-R-A-M, and he reigned for 12 years. He was the youngest son of Ahab. He was a brother of Ahaziah, the previous king we just looked at, and he... Um, Elisha, as we'll hear about in just a moment, he later helped Jehoram by warning him of several planned Syrian ambushes where the enemy was going to come in. These notes I'm reading you a little bit from is from uh, some notes by Harold Wilmington. Sometime later in our studies on Wednesday nights, I'm going to bring you some books that you might want to look at if you want to uh, as, as um, uh, study sources. And he has a a book that he put out back in, oh my goodness, probably late 70s, early 80s, called Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. And uh, it's a very good study tool. And um, if you uh, are interested in getting one of those one day, it's pretty, there's a lot of detail in there if you're interested in that. But at any rate, um, he was uh, actually uh, murdered uh, by the 10th king, which is Jehu the one that followed him, who reigned for 28 years. Again, all these northern king, northern kingdom kings of Israel were all wicked. Uh, he reigned 28 years. Um, he was notorious for his uh, uh, chariot riding. He rode uh, very fast wherever he traveled from place to place, and he was known for that. In fact, his name is mentioned uh, in, this, in those chapters um, 9 to 10 uh, concerning that. Um, and also, he never followed the Lord at all. And he continued to worship uh, Jeroboam's 
um, golden calves it's, uh, that were uh, generations before him. Then there's Jehoahaz, who was king for 17 years there in chapter 13. He reigned for 17 years. He was the son of Jehu, the previous king. That was his uh, father. And uh, his army was almost wiped out completely by the Syrians at one point. And um, he was, he never, he, he was again a wicked king that, that never ever considered the Lord or turned or, or trusted him in any way. Then the 12th king was Jehoash, chapter 13, verse, uh, 10, verse 14, 16, and he reigned for 16 years. He was, um, he was um, a wicked king also, and he was the son of Jehoahaz, the one before, uh, two before him. Uh, three before him, excuse me. So um, he he um, visited Elisha when Elisha was on his deathbed and about to die. We'll get to that a little bit later. And so um, he he was one that was, again, very wicked. Then there's uh, Jeroboam II. He's the 13th king, and he reigned for 41 years. He was also, he was the son of Jehoahash, and he was one of the most powerful kings of the north. He reigned for 41 years, one of the longest reigns of, of all the kings, not the longest. Then there was Zechariah, who was a king. Now, that's kind of confusing because there's also a prophet, uh, what we call a, uh, one of the uh, minor prophets in the Old Testament named Zechariah, but that was apparently a common name. He only reigned for six months. Um, he was a great grandson of Jehu, the one that was so uh, wicked, uh, and he was murdered by um, a rebel named Shalom. On his, and so he only reigned for, for six uh, months. They plotted against him, had a conspiracy against him, and got rid of him. And then Shalom, who followed him, get to the next slide, he only ruled one month, chapter 15, verse 10 to 15. He only ruled for one month, and he was murdered uh, by uh, one of the, one of the uh, warriors in, in his army. And so, uh, again, some of these had very, very short reigns just for a short time, and then they were taken over by uh, either uh, another son or someone else in that line. The 16th king was Menahem. He reigned for 10 years, uh, longer than the two before him, of course, and he was a very brutal um, uh, king. who uh, had um, numbers of people um, put to death. And the 17th king was there, chapter 15, 22 to 26. He only reigned two years. That was Pekahiah. That's kind of a hard name to say. Um, but he was, um, he was assassinated by his own army commander. So, uh, the, you know, these kings and some of those who served under them were very ruthless. In fact, the one who assassinated him was the next king, P-E-K-A-H. is his name, Pekah. And he reigned for 22 years. And... Um, Note that only eight years are seen there, and the first 12, they, uh, from what we tell in the Scripture, was a co-regency with uh, one of the previous kings, uh, Menahem. Uh, and he was assassinated by the 19th king, which was Hosea, who reigned for nine years. So these folks were just, everybody wanted the throne. Now, you remember we said way back in our first study, and I think I mentioned it uh, when we were in 2 Samuel maybe, um, the key theme of the Bible, we, we think is salvation. And that's wonderful because that's where we get on God's program is salvation. But from God's point of view, God has always seen it from the aspect of a kingdom. And one day the Lord Jesus Christ will come and set up his kingdom and he will reign as king of kings and lord of lords. But they were ruthless. And so in 721 B.C., they went into captivity. The northern tribes did. They, uh, their idol worship and the kings never, never... Uh, uh, always uh, turning from the Lord to Baal worship or other idols or other false gods. 
over and over. And then God sent Elijah to warn him. Remember we looked at in 1 Kings where uh, he, he warned um, um, because of Jezebel and Ahab, warned them, you know, God's going to bring judgment and uh, you need to uh, get rid of all these false gods that, that Jezebel has brought into, into, our, into our nation. And, of course, they just turned a deaf ear. They didn't listen. And finally, king after king, God said, that's enough. So they go into captivity. There will be some notes about on in a moment. They go into captivity to the northeast um, the country at that time was Assyria, A-S-S-Y-R-I-A. Now, you can get it confused with Syria, which is north of them. But Assyria is northeast, and that's your modern-day Iran-Iraq area is what that is. So they go into captivity at 721 B.C. Then you go into and look at, as we ended 1 Kings uh, last week, the kings of Judah, the northern, or excuse me, the southern, southern king, kingdom, uh, the southern of Judah and Benjamin, Jehoshaphat continued uh, uh, his reign um, throughout the end of First Kings. He reigned for 25 years. He was a good king. He was a, uh, a godly king that loved the Lord, and he reigned for 25 years. And then the fifth king, the one after him, was Joram. Now, sometimes what would happen is during the reign of the northern king and the southern king, there may be, um, depending on the length of one of the other's reigns, there may be, um, the southern king may have, like with Jehoshaphat, 25 years. There may be two or three different kings in the northern kingdom. Because we saw, remember, one only was a month, and the other was only six months. So um, the, they reign at different times. Then Joram uh, reigned for eight years. He, was, um, uh, he, was, he married a daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, who was, remember, they were the northern, and they were wicked. He married one of their daughters, and he began his reign by murdering his six brothers. So needless to say, he wasn't one of the good southern kings, needless to say. Um, the sixth king uh, was chapter 8, 24 to 9, 29 was Azariah. And he reigned for one year. Um, he was um, the son of Joram and Athaliah. And he was killed by Jehu, uh, the tenth northern king. He was killed by a king from the north. So, you know, uh, same blood of Israel, but... Um, that that next king or that king killed him. Then, of all things, in the and as we're going through on this, there's actually a queen who sits on the throne for six years. Athaliah, Athaliah reigned six years, and at the death of Azariah, her son, she took over the throne of Judah. Now you see under her the name Joash. So basically, her son co-reigned with her while she was reigning. And then his reign, including the years while she was reigning, is a total of 40 years. Um, and so she ruled for six years, and she was also uh, executed. But her son Joash reigns for 40 years, and he survived a bloody purge by the seventh king, Athaliah. He, he was, his life was spared as a young uh, child, and then he reigned uh, with, along with his mother. And so uh, he was executed by his own palace guard. So just a lot of treachery afoot, afoot among some of these kings, even in the southern kingdom. Amaziah was the ninth king, chapter 14, most of that chapter. He, he reigns for nine years, or excuse me, 29 years. I think I put nine up there for some reason, but he reigned 29 years. That should be 29. I guess the, I get the ninth king in the nine years mixed up. That should be 29 years. There's my mistake for this week. Um, his, he was a good king for a while, but he did not end well. He ended up executing 
um, the, the uh, killers of his father, Joash, and he turned very wicked after that point. But he started out good, so you might count him as one of the good ones, at least at the beginning. Then another very good king was King Uzziah, and he reigned for 52 years, one of the longest reigns, probably second longest reign, at least in, in the uh, southern, uh, well, I guess when you count both kingdoms. Uzziah was a very good king. Uh, and what happens, and we'll see this later on, but at, during the time of the prophet Isaiah, he is a prophet under several kings, one of which is Uzziah, Uzziah King Uzziah. And so Uzziah was a good king. Um, he was a mighty warrior. He was a builder. And he, he uh, unfortunately, at the end of his life, he, he tried to um, intrude in the office of the priesthood. And um, he ends up uh, dying of leprosy, actually. But uh, for the most part, his 52 years, he was a good king. Um, and then Jotham uh, was also a good king. He uh, built uh, some uh, the, the fortresses around the, the, uh, around the temple area and around the gates of the temple. Uh, of course, later, you know, it was destroyed when they went into captivity. Uh, and he defeated many of, his, many of his enemies. He reigned for 16 years, and he was a good king. And then um, King Ahaz, he, he reigned 16 years also. He was the second worst king um, that reigned uh, in, in uh, the southern kingdom. He was, uh, the, the worst one will be coming up in just a few moments. But he reigned 16 years, and he was... Um, he, he sacrificed his own children to, 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 uh, to idols. Uh, that's, we, we think that's a horrible thing, and it certainly is, but that's how far into wickedness that Ahaz had gone. And then after him, there is King Hezekiah. He was also a good king, and he reigned for 29 years, uh, and a very good king. He was the 13th king. He was um, the second best king uh, and richest of all, probably, and he carried... Um, he carried out Passover celebration uh, under, uh, or first one rather, since Solomon. And then he was, uh, he'd had a terminal disease and God healed him and gave him extra time. He prayed, Lord, give me more time. God gave him 15 more years. And um, so God uh, blessed him and lengthened his life. But he was a very good king. Then you get to, so put an asterisk here at this king. Manasseh started out as the most wicked king of Israel. Uh, well, second to maybe some, or excuse me, of Judah. Um, there were some maybe in Israel that were worse, but in Judah he was absolutely one of the most horrible kings. Uh, he reigned for 55 long years, a long time he reigned uh, there in Judah and had many people put to death. He was, um, he was the most wicked king of all, but God got a hold of him. When he was on his way to be imprisoned by the enemy, by Babylon, um, he ended up getting right with God before he died. So that's why I put bad slash good. And so we'll go further into his story when we get into uh, Second Chronicles uh, in a couple of weeks because, again, First Second Chronicles uh, gives like a, um, a second view of the, of the kings. Ammon uh, reigned for two years. He was the one after Manasseh. Um, he was Manasseh's son, in fact. And he reigned for only two years, and he was executed by his own household servants. He was a very wicked king. Then comes uh, the probably the best king of the southern kingdom, of all of them, of, of the southern kingdom, and that was King Josiah. He reigned for 31 years, very good king, my favorite king of all of the, the kings. 
And he was um, their last, in fact, last good king. He was a, a godly man. He conducted even a larger Passover celebration than Hezekiah, his great-grandfather. And he fulfilled a prophecy I talked about last week in 1 Kings 13. There was actually a prophecy that he would be born and gave his name. And that happened many years later. And so he was, um, he was killed in battle later on with the Egyptians. But nevertheless, very good king, loved the Lord very much, did a lot of really good things in Israel, uh, destroyed a lot of the... Um, the uh, temples, the, the worship temples of, for, to um, false gods, did a lot of good things for, his peop- for God's people there in uh, Judah. And then after him was Jehoahaz, who reigned three months. He was the middle son of Josiah, and he was um, deposed after only 90 days, three months. Um, the, the Pharaoh, uh, who had killed his father, um, also killed him. He was carried into Egyptian captivity, where he eventually died. Now, just a moment, we'll see where the northern, or excuse me, the southern tribes went into captivity to Babylon. This king is an exception. He went into captivity to Egypt. And so Jehoahaz, very wicked king. Got a few more, just a few more to go, and then we'll pick up and go on and look at some more things in 2 Kings. Jehoiakim, now these two you kind of get can get them kind of mixed up because they're spelled almost the same except for the last few letters. There's Jehoiakim who, who reigns for 11 years. He's the 18th king, found in chapter 23 through uh, first part of 24. He was the oldest brother of Jehoahaz who was the previous king, uh, also a son of uh, Josiah. Uh, he was put on the throne by the Egyptian pharaoh and he was later made um, vassal to Nebuchadnezzar after the Babylonians defeated the Egyptians. So whenever um, his, his dad went into captivity, it was to Egypt because they were kind of the world power still at the time, but then, um, or one of the main powers, and then Babylon took them over. He, uh, he actually burned a copy of God's word, Jeremiah 36, verse 22 to 32. We'll probably get into that in Second Chronicles. Then there's Jehoiachin or Jehoiakin. If you say chin, which may not be the right pronunciation, it'll help keep, from keep, it'll help keep you from getting them mixed up because Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin or Jehoiakin. So um, however you want to pronounce it, but it would help you to, to be able to keep, know the difference in him. He only reigned for three months. Um, he was um, the grandson of Josiah, son of Jehoiakim, and he incurred a curse from God. Um, stating that his sons would not at all sit upon Judah's throne. God told um, a prophecy through uh, Jeremiah that this king, he would no longer have any descendants on the throne. And then finally, uh, there's Zedekiah, who reigned for 11 years. He was the youngest son of Josiah. And uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, was persecuted during the reign of this king. We'll come back around to that. We studied Jeremiah. Um, He rebelled against Babylon along with Egypt, and then he was captured, he was blinded, and carried off to captivity by Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Uh, Jerusalem was burned to the ground, the temple was destroyed, Judah and Israel, remember Israel already gone to captivity, Judah now is in captivity, and the nation at this point is from our viewpoint, at least for a number of centuries, they're done. God was done with them. They scattered. Some may have stayed around, but most of them either went into captivity, the northern to Assyria, the southern kingdom to Babylon. So, um, that's just a quick rundown of each of these kings. And you can see as you go through there that, um, that these kings, their sons, some of them, occasionally you'd see some that were godly like their father, but most of them, um, the godly ones, their sons were ungodly. 
There were some who had very ungodly fathers, and yet they were godly. So you see from a practical perspective that truth uh, found throughout the Scripture and throughout, throughout history. Um, you, you see some people that come from a home where the parents never had any, they didn't care for God, they didn't care anything about God or the things of God. They have children that grow up. Uh, and, you know, grow up uh, as believers and, and God uses them greatly. You see some who go to church all the time. They try to raise their kids right and then their kids turn from the Lord. So um, that, that is echoed throughout many, in many ways and we see it in the lives of the kings. All right, now let's move on into um, a little bit more in Second Kings other than the kings themselves, which is the, the main part, I guess you'd say, except for the uh, ministries of Elijah and Elisha. Go with me to chapter uh, 2. You read in chapter 1, it picks back up with Elijah's ministry. And then look with me, um, if you look in chapter um, uh, 1, you see some things that God, uh, that God did through, excuse me, through Elijah as he uh, sent him to warn uh, a king of his wickedness, Ahaziah. And then chapter 2, it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Now Elisha knew that God was going to take Elijah home that day. And so he wanted to spend every minute he could with Elijah. Elijah was his mentor, if you want to use that word. He uh, discipled him, if you want to use a New Testament word. He was his mentor. He discipled uh, Elisha uh, and, and helped shape him and get him ready for his ministry that God, where God would use him as, uh, as a prophet to Israel after God took Elijah home. So uh, he is taken up into heaven. And uh, chapter 2, verse 11, talks about how he's taken up into a whirlwind. Put a, put a pen there. We'll come back to that. So Elisha's ministry begins. Elijah, during his ministry, um, he, um, he, he, he healed. He brought, uh, brought um, a little boy from the, uh, raised a little boy from the dead. Um, he also, there was the widow. Remember the widow that had the uh, oil? And the oil kept on and kept on as long as there were pots kept on and kept on with that oil. And so God used him uh, in a number, in many ways, he performed eight miracles. But Elisha, who followed him, performed 16 miracles, twice as many. And when you read through here, in fact, go with me to um, chapter 2, if you're still there. Um, it mentions uh, they're about to, he's about to be taken up, and he goes to the Jordan River, and some of the sons of the prophets put a pen there too. Uh, they're around there. Pick up verse 8. And Elijah took his mantle, um, some, somewhat of a, of a coat or of a, a wrapped around him there, and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so they went over on dry ground. Um, we remember in the book of Joshua when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River and, it's, and it divided, God divided it. God divides it here by Elijah taking his mantle and just smiting the Jordan River and they walk, walk over on dry ground. Chapter nine, uh, Verse 9, excuse me. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. I wonder how much this had gone through his mind. I wonder the things that Elisha wanted to ask Elijah. They had a very limited amount of time, and I wonder what he thought about. Um, wonder what he thought about. What will I talk to him about? What will I ask him if he, um, as we're talking? What questions shall I ask him? And so he gives him somewhat of a blank check. He says, Elisha, whatever, 
uh, ask of me and I'll do it for you before I'm taken away. Verse 9, And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And it was, and in a very literal way, it was for those 16 miracles that Elisha performs during his ministry. Verse 10, And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. In other words, if you stay around with me, if you watch when the Lord takes me, you will definitely get that double portion. Verse 11, it came to pass as they still went on, the two of them, they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah was raptured up. He was taken up without dying. He was raptured uh, via a whirlwind with chariot of horses with fire. He was taken up. And uh, Elisha did uh, just as Elijah told him to do. If you'll stay with me until God takes me. And he did. And it says they departed. That is that he went on up. Elisha, of course, stayed on the ground. And when they departed, uh, he was able to get uh, that double portion of his spirit. So he performed 16 miracles during his time. But go over to chapter 13. So his ministry is recorded chapter 2 through chapter 13. You'll see the miracles that he performs. And the very last one that's performed happens after he had died. Look at chapter 13, verse 14 with me. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness wherever he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, remember we talked about him earlier? He's one of the kings of Israel. Uh, we talked about him in, um, uh, in our, as we did a quick rundown. Came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of the deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Assyrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. Now that was going to have to happen after his death. Uh, after Elisha's death, that the king would have victory. Verse 18, he said, Take the arrows, and he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground, he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then thou hast smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Where is now? Thou shalt smite Syria but thrice, but only three times. And he should have just kept doing it, but he only did it that three times. But nevertheless, he told him there would be some victory. Then look at verse 20. And Elisha died, and they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming end of that year. And it came to pass, as they were burying a man, that, behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Wow. Sixteenth miracle. After he was dead, he performed the 16th one. Well, the Lord did, but um, felt those bones, uh, that man's body fell on the bones of Elisha and the man uh, resurrected. He was revived. How about that? And that's something. So that's the, uh, the final miracle of the 16th. But Elisha has a double portion. God blesses him greatly and used him just as he did Elijah. So uh, with that in mind, going looking on, uh, on our dates here. So the northern kingdom, Israel, that's not North Korea. That's Northern Kingdom. Northern Kingdom, Israel, goes into captivity to Assyria. And then about 606 B.C., Daniel, who was in, in Judah, remember he was in the Southern Kingdom. We'll talk about that when we get to the book of Daniel. He was taken before everyone else. 
He and the, the three, his, his three friends and some others, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember them in the book of Daniel? They were all taken into Babylon. About 606 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar is reigning in Babylon as their king, as their emperor or king, whatever you call him, in Babylon. And Daniel's taken then. And then about 586, about 20 years later, the southern kingdom, that's not South Korea, the southern kingdom, Judah goes into captivity to Babylon. So it was happening really over a period of time, but the, where it was just all, you know, this is it, the very last king that we looked at, they're in captivity now, 586 B.C. So they're gone into Babylon. So from that point until um, the, some of the prophets still um, are, as, as there are a lot of them gone into exile, some of the minor prophets prophesy to God's people during that time when they're in captivity. And even some that are still in Israel, very few, but the ones that are in captivity, you have the minor prophets that prophesy to them, like Malachi and some of them. And then there are 400 silent years from what we would call about 400 B.C. until about maybe 0 B.C., if you want to use those numbers, where there's no written prophecy at all included in Scripture. Those are called the 400 silent years, and we'll get to that when we talk about the minor prophets. So 1 and 2 Kings are written from the perspective of the northern kingdom. Now, it includes the southern kingdom, but most of the stuff written in there, most of the history we see is from the perspective of the kings from the north, even though the southern kings are mentioned. And then 1 and 2 Chronicles is written from the perspective of Judah, the southern kingdom. So Elijah and Elisha, who were prophets to Israel, you don't read about them in 1 and 2 Chronicles. You read about them in 1 and 2 Kings because it was for the northern kingdom. So the southern kingdom, that perspective, when we get next week, Lord willing, 1 Chronicles and then 2 Chronicles the next, hopefully. Daniel and others were taken to captivity during the reign of Jehoiakim, about 606 B.C. Another alternate route, Isaiah was a prophet under Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, and Manasseh. He died... Um, during the time of Manasseh, but that's a long stretch right there of all those kings. But Isaiah was a prophet then. We study Isaiah. We'll talk about that some more, so we will look at that a little later. Jeremiah was a prophet under these. Josiah, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. So he would have been like at the end of, uh, of, um, of um, Isaiah, past Isaiah's ministry after that a little bit later until they go into captivity. And then Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 1 verse 2 mentions him and some of the, uh, 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 during one of the king's reign and then also some of the minor prophets. So when we get to each of those prophets, we'll see how this ties together. And it'll help your Old, Old Testament understanding so much when you see how these things tie together. Because you're, it's kind of, when you first read your Bible, you kind of might think that all these, because they're later in the, in the Old Testament, that the, uh, the prophets and the minor prophets are, that happened at a different time. No, it happened during this time. It's just those books are, you know, they're, they're included uh, after them, but they happen at the same time. So it was written, of course, to Israel during the divided kingdom. Uh, we see again man's inability to rule himself. All of them in the north were evil. The southern kingdom, uh, most of those kings were evil, except for about seven or eight. Then each king leaves a legacy. Um, and sometimes it'll say, that they uh, were wicked like their father. Um, and then um, you'll see where one will say um, he was unlike his father, like Josiah, for example, was nothing like his father. Uh, some wicked kings had godly sons. Some godly kings had wicked sons. 
Uh, that would apply in the <laughs> southern kingdom, not the northern, of course. And then we also see God's patience during their disobedience. Uh, God's very patient with them. That's one of the traffic jams and potholes in the uh, study there that he's, he's patient with them no matter what until he reaches a point and then they go into captivity. Elijah's rapture is a picture of ours. He was taken up in the clouds and the Bible called, said that it was a, a chariot uh, and then the, uh, the, the fire and so forth that, that it mentions we was taken up. But in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 through 18, the Bible says, um, the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be called with them together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So his rapture is a type or a picture of our rapture uh, when, God, when the Lord Jesus raptures his church at the end of the church age. And we looked at Elijah, Elisha's last miracle when he looked at that uh, when he was buried and the man came back, or the man buried after he had died, he came back to life. Then Jesus in 2 Kings, of course we see him in the good kings of Judah, the good things they do. Uh, we see a lot of resemblance to the Lord Jesus because um, there's a couple of those kings we mentioned, Hezekiah and Josiah, they brought Passover back that had been forgotten for many generations. They had forgotten Passover. And so because of um, the things they did that were right and honored the Lord, we see a likeness to our Savior, of course. And then in the ministries of Elijah and Elisha, we see the likeness of our Savior. They performed miracles. Our Savior performed miracles. Um, they warned uh, of, uh, of, of judgment at times. Jesus had to do that with the Pharisees and, and so forth. So we see uh, him in 2 Kings. A few of the verses that we, you know, we end up with a home address. That is verses, uh, key verses and uh, key thoughts and key truths in, in each book. And so in chapter 2, verse 11 of 2 Kings, uh, where Elijah is raptured, of course, we talked about that. But we didn't read this far, but if you read on in 2 Kings 2, verse 14, after Elijah was taken up, Elisha said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? In other words, Lord, I need that power that Elisha, or Elijah said I could have. The double portion, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he knew that he had his work cut out for him because there, were wicked, there was a wicked king reigning and he would have to uh, warn God's people. And so um, there are times where as Christians, Lord, where, where are you? Uh, we're living in very wicked times and, and where are you? Help us to be strong, Lord. Help us to stand for what is right. Then chapter 4, verse 1, there are several places in 2 Kings that mention the sons of the prophets. This was apparently like a somewhat of an informal school where Elijah taught a number of, uh, of young men. They call them the sons of the prophets and uh, probably taught them God's word, what they had at that time. And he probably taught them the things that God had, uh, had used him for in his life and used him and worked through his life, the miracles that he did. And so uh, sons of the prophets are mentioned several times under uh, Elijah. And then, of course, Elisha also they're mentioned. And then... Uh, in chapter 22, verse 11, we saw uh, where we talked about Josiah, who was probably the best king of all of them. He heard the words of the book when they went to the temple, when he was cleaning house in Jerusalem and getting rid of all the idol worship. Uh, before he sets up Passover, he sends some of his men, King Josiah, into the temple. I want you to go into the temple. I want you to clean it out. They found the book of Old Testament law. And back uh, before Israel even had the first king, God had told them in the book of Deuteronomy, copy down the, the law. 
write down, copy it down, and each king, when he's reigning, he has to keep a, he needs to keep a copy of that next to the throne. He'll, he'll have my words. Of course, they went generation after generation where they didn't have any regard for the word of God. But Josiah said, the, the, the man came back and said, I have found the law of the Lord in God's temple. Josiah says, bring it to me. I want to see that. It had been lost for so long. And so here's a king who wanted to hear the words of the book of God's word. So a um, lot of stuff in Second, Second Kings, uh, not only certainly about the kings themselves, but about Elisha uh, and his ministry and how God used him after Elijah was taken up. Any questions or anything tonight? A lot of bird's eye view tonight. Did we get chariots of fire too? I don't know. It would be great, wouldn't it? It would be something, wouldn't it? Um, if we had chariots of fire, but there are, it says the horses thereof, and then the Bible says in Revelation, we come back with Jesus, it mentions horses. So, I don't know. Could be something like that. Good question. Barbara? Well, who was it? It was Moses that got in trouble with the rock. How come he touched the rock and he hit it? Maybe he hit it twice? Maybe what? He hit it twice? Yeah, the second time. Yeah. He got in trouble for it, right? Right, the second time. All right, now you're saying this guy was supposed to shoot arrows and smoke the ground, and he only did it once. Did it three wrong. times. He did it three times. He was wrong for not doing it more. How do you know which? How right. Well, um, when Elisha told him to smite the ground, I don't know it might have been in his voice or something. The scripture doesn't record him telling him how many times to do it, but he said, you've only smote the ground three times, so you only have victory three times against the Syrians. So. And I heard a sermon. I don't know if it was either somebody else that he should have shot a whole lot more arrows in one, too. Yeah, that's, that's probably true, too. Yeah. He could have had victory. If he right. Exactly. He should have had more arrows and hit it a lot more times, so. All right, good question. Anybody else? All right, very good. Well, let's stand, Lord willing. Uh, we'll pick up on First Chronicles next week. And again, we'll see some uh, a lot of similarities, but because they look at a little bit different perspective, we'll look, look at some different highlights. And we probably won't go through all the kings uh, since we did it this time. We won't go through each of them. What I'll probably do is go through, uh, we'll just highlight those good kings of, of Judah and talk about them and um, a little bit about them, maybe a little extra about them since they were the good kings. All right, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for your word. There's so much to soak up and learn, but Lord, an overview like this helps us to hopefully want to dig deeper into your word and to learn more in it and more about it and what you have uh, for us and to realize, Lord, that all throughout the centuries, as you've uh, led your people, Lord, like us, there are times where we're stubborn. There are times where we... I may not listen like we should, uh, but Lord, draw us close to yourself. Help us to stay close and to learn uh, from the things they did right and certainly to learn from things they did wrong to avoid those in our life, Lord. Pray that you'll watch over us as we leave from here tonight. Keep us safe. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.